0: Welcome to The Oracle, a podcast for wild feminine wisdom channeled from the deep. I'm your host, Miriam Robschitz, creatrix of Moonbody. I'm a guide for women sharing body-based teachings on the feminine. The Oracle brings you podcasts on womb wisdom, sacred sexuality, embodiment, and the women's mysteries. My prayer is that these conversations with my coven enrich Ignite and inspire your relationship to the Sacred Feminine for a life of magic, pleasure, and power. Hello, dear listeners. The last time I made an episode of the Oracle podcast was in May 2022. Outrageous. Perhaps it was because this episode is so good that I needed you to be really hungry for it. This episode was recorded on the last day of August in 2022, but it feels just as powerful and potent today. In this episode, I speak with Maya Luna, a woman who is a huge inspiration for me a true teacher of embodied feminine gnosis and someone who I see as the mother of a modern day movement to unearth the true feminine. She is a vital voice for our time, especially for those of us women who are sick of the love and light spiritual paradigm and one-sided portrayals of the feminine. A remarkably unique, wise and loving person A woman whose love for the earth and the goddess is palpable in her voice and her very being. She's also funny as fuck, which is something I discovered after having been an avid reader and admirer of her work for many years when I reached out to tell her last year. So this is also a reminder to anyone listening, any women listening who are interested in repairing the sister wound that telling the women you admire and appreciate is always a good thing. Maya Luna is an oracular poet and teacher of feminine wisdom. She is the creator of the Deep Feminine Mystery School. Her work focuses on the resurrection of lost feminine wisdom and the dimension of reality she calls the Deep Feminine Current. She has one book of poetry, Omega, Feral Secrets of the Deep Feminine, and two spoken word poetry albums, Holy Darkness, a Tantric Opus, and Holy Grail, Her Resurrection. I so enjoyed speaking with Maya, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Hi, Maya. Hi. How are you doing? I'm so
1: good. I'm so excited and Slightly giddy to be here with you.
0: Oh! (laughs) We've had a little chat before, haven't we? And it's been a bit silly.
1: Yes, we're in a silly mood. I'm enjoying it.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) Let's just, long may it continue, eh? Because we can both get into the deep stuff quite easily. So maybe just... Just silly, a silly podcast is what's needed. <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. It can always change tack when we start crying and suddenly it's got yeah
1: serious. Well, this is about the feminine, right? So it we're is. We, I think it could go anywhere.
0: <laughs> Are you setting up my questions? Because... <laughs> no. Here in bold, <laughs> on my notes, it says... Oh. What slash who is the feminine? Love, can you tell us in your own words, what is, Mm. what or who is the feminine in Maya Luna's world? Mm.
1: In my world, the feminine is the spark of divinity and magic that flows through form, that flows through all of creation that flows through our bodies, that flows through our direct experience, that flows through the flowers and the trees and the bees and everything that belongs in her realm on this planet. She is the imminent rather than the transcendent divine. Mm -hmm. She's the goddess.
0: I reckon there might be some people who don't, understand what we're pointing to with imminent and transcendent would you mind Mm -hmm. just giving a little definition
1: yeah i mean i think that you know in in my work a lot of what i do is point to and kind of unwrap and unveil these very deep biases that we hold um, that I think we don't even realize that we hold Mm -hmm. so for a very long time on this planet we could say probably about the last 5,000 years the divine spirit God divinity has really been placed both in heaven (laughs) right Mm -hmm. not here on earth but in heaven (laughs) As well as in the kind of unfathomable, you know, the beyond, the beyond, the beyond, the deathless, the eternal, that which was never born, that which never dies, the eternality, the transcendent principle. And goddess spirituality has always been about the imminent divine. So the imminent is what is here in density in form in matter that which is wed to impermanence that is part of the cycles of birth and death and i think that you know the transcendent spiritual practices also often are very awareness and consciousness based whereas the feminine or the goddess spiritual path the path of the divine imminent is very much in the body Right? The present, our present moment direct experience that happens through feeling, sensing, smelling, hearing, tasting, touching, making love, dancing, crying. And I think there's something really sacred about that because I think it touches us differently. It's very intimate. It's very personal. It's very, um, it cuts close to home. Right? Mm -hmm. rather than maybe the transcendent is more of like the oneness experience. So I am not my body, I am not myself, I am not my personality, I am the oneness, and everyone is the oneness. Feminine is very personal, right? It's our unique experience of
0: being alive. Beautiful. Thank you, love. Yeah. So when you say goddess you're talking about the divine eminence, the feminine. You're not really speaking about a particular goddess, like, let's say, for example, Hecate.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I never was really drawn to exploring particular goddesses or particular myths. I had a very strong connection with just what I felt in my body and my direct experience as the feminine, as the goddess, Mm. right? As that divine eminence. It's a presence, I would say. It's an alive presence that is here always and is, is us and is beyond us. Right. And then once i started to actually dive into specific goddesses which was only recently it started to put together some some pieces that just were really interesting and um i don't know how i describe it how would you describe it it's sort of like they're all these like fractals of this one she Mm. is that how you would frame it um
0: I think that the, our interpretations of the goddess have been informed by the myths and the land and the particular regional experiences of the people who were experiencing the goddess.
1: Mm-hmm. In a That's
0: right, sense, and then filtering it through, you know, their own senses, their own perceptions, and and creating their own singular goddess. Totally. So, yeah, fractal is a beautiful way to describe that.
1: Well, and a lot of the, the goddesses, too, especially the really, like, root, original, you know, like the fertility goddess cults, the original mm-hmm. mother whore, mother goddess, mother of creation, Inanna, Hathor, Isis, like the real old, like, <laughs> the OGs, you know? huh. A lot of their stories were, it's the story of the earth. You know, it's the story of the harvest and the rains and the seasons and the cycles and the story of the onset of agriculture and the story of the proliferation of life and the abundance of life and the mystery of creation. So there's that too. I think they're personifications of, it's like the stories of the goddesses are are personified stories of these more Sort of like the architecture of creation itself.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. I think you have more of a. I have a very deep thing going on with Inanna. I think you have a strong connection to goddess myths and maybe okay. more knowledge and awareness than I do. Who are you really. Who speaks to you the most deeply?
0: You're flipping it around. I'm interviewing you. <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding um you know for me for several years now kind of my guiding goddess has been the black madonna oh wow i did not know that Ah, uh, it's because i'm i don't speak about it too much on the old gram because it's very sacred to me yes <laughs> yes yes um a lot of that is from my time in southern italy where is one of her, one of her key homes is Southern Italy. And I got to go to, I got to do a little pilgrimage and go and see some of her many, many sites in Southern Italy and go and see these beautiful statues, paintings. And she's incredible. One of her kind of um, medicines is that she is, a representative of the earth, of the blackness of the soil and the kind of regenerative powers of, of mother earth. And also mm-hmm. she's like the mother of all of those who are on the fringes of, or That's on right. the edges. And mm-hmm. I about her.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. And I feel
1: there's also this, this wisdom of, of grief and wisdom of loss and wisdom of, the way that life breaks our heart and breaks us open and the sacredness of that. That's what I always feel in her. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really key part as well. Yeah. That the grief part as is, is one of her key, her key um, medicine drops. Yeah. And I love how you spoke about, you
1: know, the sacredness that you feel. With her, and, and it sounds like it's a really deeply personal thing that you don't really talk about it or share about it
0: yeah, I um yeah, it's really important to me to have some things I share a lot of things that I feel will be useful to people. Mm-hmm. this I can just touch on lightly, but in terms of my own private practice, I don't like I'm not yes. filming it. <laughs> I have that too, and I,
1: I just think that's such a that's such a beautiful thing to share in In the age of you know this kind of expectation that we bear everything on social media, you know, so I have the same thing. I have certain aspects of my life and my practice that I keep very, very sacrosanct and private mm-hmm.
0: it's the it's the way I was taught by my elders in the traditions that I've studied for you know fifteen years is that. Mm. These things are not for filming, they're not for performance, they're not for likes. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. And I think that's one of the things that really draws me to you is, and it has, you know, I've been um, a reader of yours, a follower of yours on social media since 2017. Oh my gosh, you've been...
1: You've seen it all. I've That's seen almost it a little all.
0: embarrassing. No. <laughs>
1: I love it. No, I've just no, changed no. so much. I've grown so much. I'm honored. Thank you.
0: Of course. Yeah. My pleasure, love. I, I mean it. I am. Um, and I would say here's a compliment coming. <laughs> You're one of the few living teachers who I really receive immense wisdom from and a huge Mm -hmm. um inspiration and and permission for my own work not that it needs permission but you know some some people give us this feeling of oh Mm. I can do I can do mine then if she's Mm. chanting amazing what what to me feels like very non-dual poetry Mm. uh, then it's okay for me to do it so you were a huge teacher along my path who gave me without knowing because you know we've only just started to really converse in the last few months but yeah yeah, you've been a huge teacher of mine and it's really good to acknowledge our teachers and i want to acknowledge you
1: thank you so much i'm really really honored um i respect your work so much and have just loved diving into your world and i'm really honored Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Mm. (laughs) What were you like as a kid? (laughs) Tell us Uh, just a little snapshot.
1: I was very into my imagination. I was very into playing pretend. I was basically an only child um, for most of my younger, younger years until I was about nine and, you know, one of the things that I giggle about sometimes is one of my favorite things to do was to take, you know, the boom box with the cassette tape and record myself uh, talking. I would do these little podcasts I suppose <laughs> before there were podcasts you know and with my with my teachings and my art and my insights and my exploration and then sometimes I look at what I'm doing now with my work and I'm like this is yeah I, I kind of always was doing this in a way mm-hmm. making making little um pieces of art with my own yeah inspired imagination and what was intriguing me and fascinating me and
0: yeah (laughs) i love that do you um do you remember as a young person when you had this kind of insight about what you would call the goddess or the imminent divine Uh, i
1: love that you're asking this this is such a great question you know it's true i i And I think this is just so sacred and beautiful how, you know, so I grew up um, in a small town in uh, northern Minnesota. Maybe you don't even know where that is. Do you know where that is? (laughs) I know
0: where Minnesota is.
1: (laughs) Okay, so this is is very, you know, so the movie Fargo um, is – It's completely exactly the culture. Like they're they're being humorous and funny, but like they grew up in that area, it's it's spot on. So very conservative, very just kind of white bread America, uh, small town life, right? Mm -hmm. And I, so I had no exposure to any of this, and yet I remember. I remember doing the strangest things like 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 rituals like very witchy rituals just intuitively where I'd, I'd draw a circle on on the ground on the carpet of my floor i'd trace a circle with my finger and i'd place symbols out and it was just doing this intuitive symbolic act and conjuring energy and magic and um I remember doing other things like I would, you know, um, (laughs) I would, I would contemplate just all these like bizarre things like what seven year old is thinking about this? Like, you know, I would, I would be thinking about, um, you know, like. What happens when we die? and if and if and if we go on infinitely and who am I? and I would get myself into these kind of like tripped out, almost like psychedelic trance states from thinking about certain things, and I would actually use them to go into trance states. <laughs> like I had my favorite little things where if I would think about it long enough, I would start to kind of, yeah, go into an altered vaguely psychedelic trance state where I would start to connect to a deeper field of reality, right? Mm. And yeah, nobody taught me that. Nobody nobody showed me that. I had no access to anything like that, but it was in me, you know? Talking to the trees, you know? I think children have a very natural and organic connection too, the goddess. I think that it's in our DNA. It's in our bones, you know? Did you? I'm uh, guessing we did.
0: I did. And, you know, our story there is really quite similar. There's one specific thing I used to do, which is uh, I used to sit cross-legged on my little windowsill. This is when I was about to <laughs> I can just see you. <laughs> yeah, I used to look out the window, and I used to repeat... I've never really shared this with anyone in the l- for years and years, but what you just said awoke this memory in me. And I used to repeat my name, my address, and my phone number. And when I used to do it over and over again, I would go into a trance state. Wow. And it interesting. was interesting. It was like the details of when I repeated the, the mundane details of my existence. That reality made way for the greater self. Wow, Miriam, with my mm-hmm. address and my childhood phone number, and then later on, I um, I found out that this is like a very common Sufi trance technique where you repeat your name and like some other details, and it's it brings you into. Oh, of course. So yeah, we
1: should have hung out. <laughs> I know. You know, I remember doing very like sensual dances too at a very young age. You know, and, and it's like where where would it was just like an energy, would come yeah. me, You know, and just feeling this kind of erotic innocence and, um, yeah, this aliveness and serpentine energy. You know. I had no access to, you know, any role models in that sense. Even, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch like PG-13 movie, you know, like, yeah. but there I was like seven years old in my room, like, you know, yeah, dro- dropping into the serpent goddess.
0: <laughs> yes, because the erotic eros is very, children are very close to their senses and their bodies. And so that's right eros is very and when we're saying eros, we're meaning we're not meaning in a sexual sense or anything to do with penetrative sex, but that current of the erotic is so alive in
1: kids, isn't it? That's right. Well, and it's more pure too because it hasn't been corrupted yet by the false erotic, the the pornographic objectification, you know, uh, all the all the stuff that takes us outside of pre- the true presence of Eros, mm. you know, that we learn through culture later on. It's just, um, yeah, the, the aliveness, the life force energy has a, a natural sensuality to it. How could it not? We, we have skin and nostrils and ears and eyes and, you know, the sensual world and our capacity to sense through our senses is such such a strong feature you know of being in a body
0: absolutely i'm just thinking how this form of more feminine spirituality that is really key or in well is is your teachings basically if i may say (laughs) um what could What do you think could happen if we, if this, if the transcendence of experiencing spiritual life abated slightly and this imminent grew awareness of that, what do you think could happen? Oh my gosh,
1: I love this question. I mean, first of all, I think that the way that we treat the earth and regard the earth would radically change Mm. i think our relationship to how we tend to the earth and relate to the earth and understand the importance of respect and honor and reverence and right relationship with the earth and consumption and i think that would radically change Mm -hmm. i think that um you know, I think that so much of spirituality, whether it's the Abrahamic father, God religions or new age spirituality or the real transcendent, you know, get rid of your ego, <laughs> spirituality, I think it's been very I think it's been very hard on people's humanity. Mm. I think that we um, reject the human mm-hmm. so deeply which is really hard because we are human <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're having a human experience and I haven't yet met anyone who has been able to rid themselves of the kind of fundamental aspects of being human I think that we pathologize so many things that are actually quite normal mm-hmm. and I think that that. I think that it's like when I feel into it, it's like getting cozy with being human, like learning how to actually occupy our human self. And I think that so much love flows from that. This is sort of like the Black Madonna Mm -hmm. wisdom again, too, Mm -hmm. you know? It's like there are so many aspects of our human experience that, you know, are raw or tender or... Um, You know, that we have tried to heal and fix and get rid of and awaken out of as though we are supposed to be these, you know, ultra-strong, ultra-in-control, ultra-together things, and we're not, and no one is. Mm. and i th- i think that if we when we reawaken sacred imminence we we realize that the human experience i mean just the fact that we're born and then we die mm. that's that's a big deal <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's a really big deal uh-huh. we're, we're born we die we don't know when we're going to die and um When we start to really enter into the organic reality of everything that makes up being human, I think, gosh, there's just so much love in that. There's so much compassion. There's so much care in that. It feels very like re-sanctifying something that we have made wrong for a very long time.
0: Mm. I was thinking today about what did I want to speak with you about because there are so many fascinating aspects of your work and I could pick your brains forever so narrowing it down to what I feel is most important I landed on something that you and I have talked about privately before and that is the world of polarity teachings in terms of this kind of rejection of what is rejection of imminence one aspect I haven't really explored much when talking about my critique of the modern polarity movement, is what kind of eros are we blocking when we project, and when I say we, I definitely don't mean myself, I mean folks in that movement, when they project these bizarrely gendered rules of behaviour onto very complex human relationships. I mean, it can't be healthy for people who are basically just looking for ways to um, relate and have better quality intimacy.
1: I mean, I think there's so much to say on the polarity stuff, but we're just going to weave it in with the thread that we've already been on. Um, Masculinity, the idea of masculinity and the idea of femininity. So there's a lot of nuance here because, Mm -hmm. you know, being a testosterone being or an estrogen being does impact, you know, how you see reality and experience Mm -hmm. reality. There are differences and we should should acknowledge those differences and we should, you know, respect those differences. But... I think the rigidity of rules around what masculinity and femininity is, and how a masculine person should behave and should not behave, and how a feminine person should behave and should not behave, is inherently dehumanizing. Mm. Because it requires that we cut off entire aspects of our human experience. You know, and typically in the polarity teachings, You know, men or the masculine is supposed to be always leading, always kind of, like, dominating the situation, lovingly dominating, Mm -hmm. leading, always knowing what's right, um, not, (sighs) some people even say that, like, you shouldn't share your
0: feelings,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) women don't find that attractive. Right, and for femininity, and and this goes along with our socio-cultural ideas of masculinity and femi- femininity, also, and how we've been conditioned. Right, mm-hmm. so generally, men are conditioned to suck it up, be a man, <clears throat> don't cry, don't feel your insecurity, your weakness, your vulnerability. And women are encouraged to suppress their anger and their self-advocacy and their fierceness, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we call femininity. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it inherently, yeah, requires that people cut off entire aspects of their human experience, which is their birthright. It's dehumanizing, I would say.
0: It's dehumanizing. And something I've witnessed, perhaps you have too, is that it can make women vulnerable to being preyed upon, because it forces them into the unnatural position of being only, if they want to be a good feminine woman, open and loving.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really big problem, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I personally know women that have gotten themselves into abusive dynamics because of that. I think that my own... <laughs> version of the ways that I bought into that in the past led me into some bad situations. So I know about this very intimately. Um, And yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's a pushback on feminism, really. I think there's a lot of threads in this movement that is basically coming with the presumption that, you know, men are just great and they've always been great. And the problem is just that like, feminism has made masculinity bad and women don't trust men. And once you start trusting men and surrendering to men and loving men unconditionally and opening to men unconditionally, you're gonna find that they magically, magically treat you like a queen Mm -hmm. because that's been the missing piece all along. If you just surrender to them (laughs) and submit to their lead, suddenly they become the man of your dreams. And of course, that's not true. And of course, some things should be not surrendered to and in fact resisted (laughs) fiercely, right? Mm -hmm. Clarissa Pinkola-Estes, you know, speaks about this in such a beautiful way about how women are really trained to um deny their more feral instincts they're more animalistic you know we've been kind of i think you are the one that coined this which i love like we've been defanged and declawed right just like the goddess has been defanged and declawed over the the process of patriarchy so um yeah women need access to that that hiss and that growl and that trusting their own instincts, trusting a pre- where there's a predator. Yeah. If we don't have access to that as women, we're in trouble because there are a lot of people who would like to feed off of us,
0: right? Yeah, there really are. And if I was somebody who wanted to feed off somebody, my victim would be definitely be a young spiritual woman, because there's something about that maidenly devotional energy that is just um, such desirable fuel for that kind of um, vampiric thirst to consume and to, to eat the life force of another being, you know? And I've I've been that woman, that young woman, more than once.
1: It's a real thing. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. I think it happens to all women or it can't happen to all women, but I think you're right. There's something in particular about the maiden mm-hmm. archetype. Um, because when you're in maiden, there is like this innocence, mm-hmm. you know, and this beautiful kind of trust in life and trust in other people. And we need to protect that innocence. You know, we need to, gosh, I mean, I feel like there's part of this too that's like a community thing. And I really feel strongly about that. Like we need to be able to take care of ourselves, but we need to take care of each other too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we need that, and that's wolf wisdom too, it's like, fox in the hen house, you know? You gotta tell
0: someone there's a fox in the hen house.
1: Yeah, we gotta grab each other's back. And I think it's so interesting too. This is, I'm just gonna get a little edgy here. Do it. (laughs) it. There's There's a really common thing that I see floating around in the polarity teachings a lot. And it's this, again, it feels like a lot of it is a pushback against feminism right? Which is absurd because feminism is really for the liberation of all. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a pushback against a distorted idea of feminism is is a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I see the idea floating around a lot that like, oh gosh, women like need men. Like we need men, you know? And and we've gone too far with our independence and we need to like surrender to the fact that like the truth of our feminine essence and our feminine hearts is that we need a man. We need a man to take care of us and love us and lead us. And right. And <clears throat> <laughs> um, how do I want to say this? I think that it's more true that men need women because of the energetic that flows through women's bodies and because through the process of patriarchy men have been entrained to cut themselves off from the feminine and from the goddess so deeply. We all have, but men in particular in in their own unique way. And so they're like hungry and starving for access to this thing, which connects to the siphoning thing we were talking about. Mm. So I almost see this as like, it's a trick, right? It's like kind of make them think that they need us <laughs> when actually <laughs> we
0: need them. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I, I get it, love. And I think a lot of these tricks, what makes them insidious is the inversion. That's right. And it's something I also just want to name for anyone who's listening who doesn't, is less familiar with what we're talking about. We're not saying that, you know, human beings need human beings. Uh, We love men. We love being in relationship with men. It's a beautiful thing to have, to be with men and to, you know, in, in when it's time to surrender and when it's time to be open and when it's time to be love and all these wonderful things, if that's what floats our boat, it floats my boat to be that way. But we can still have all that lovely, healthy relational stuff and we can still be discerning and have that wolf wisdom available when it's needed and necessary. So it's not like there aren't just two options. You're either That's right. the beautiful maiden, surrendered, open, or you're like the man-hating, uh, feminist, spiteful, bitter person, which again is, that whole conception of the second woman I described is very much like the kind of weird propaganda that was used in the witch hunts
1: Yes, actually, that's one of the primary foundations of patriarchy is the division of women into two categories. It's the Madonna-whore split. Mm, yes. The, the women who get loved and cherished and the women, the bad women, right? The bad women. And I see the polarity teachings kind of play into that a lot. And And I totally agree with what you're saying. And I would say, you know... I've had beautiful experiences of being held and supported by a partner and, you know, just melting into them when I needed to be held and it's exquisite and I've also been that for men. I've The man, you know, surrender and be held by me. It's a human, again, a human thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mammal, relational mammal, healthy yes. stuff. I think it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's like kink you know it's it's really what i think is being expressed is they're conflating masculinity with dominance and femininity with submission and when you run those energies of domination and submission in overt or subtle ways mm-hmm. it is kinky it's erotic there's a charge there's a there's a zing right mm-hmm. but Relationships require a lot more than just hot zing. I think it has to be said too that yes. you know the the relational structure of man as leader, man as dominant, man as connected to God, um, man as the director of woman, and woman as you know, submissive and subservient to the leadership of the man. Um, there's nothing, like, essential or tantric about that, as though it's, like, this, like, building block of reality and the, like, the yin-yang of the eternal masculine and feminine. This is a recent development in the, in the last few thousand years that's very connected to the, you know, Judeo-Christian religions and which, you know, killed and conquered the, the fertility goddess religions.
0: Absolutely. And I would also say that polarity in the cosmic sense is the building blocks of the universe. It's lunar and solar, inhale, exhale, yin, yang, contraction, expansion, etc, etc. But polarity teachings take what are cosmic principles and then attempt to transpose them onto humans and that just doesn't work. You can't directly transpose cosmic concepts onto already limited gender stereotypes. That's right. That's right. And I,
1: and I think that's another thing that can... You asked me this question about, you know, what can this remembrance and this reawakening of sacred imminence do? So <clears throat> the body of a woman is in so many ways a, a symbolic, ritualized expression of the goddess. You know, the, our fertility cycles, you know, that mirror not only the moon, but the four seasons. The fact that women give birth, that they pull the transcendent down into eminence, they pull spirit down into matter, they pull soul down into body. Um, our breasts that have the capacity to you know provide milk and nourishment and feed these are all like beautiful it's like I just want to fall on my knees and worship you know like the body of woman is a representation of so many elements of the goddess of sacred imminence. and so if we If we reawaken that collectively, I think one of the things that can happen is the respect for women as emissaries of the goddess, but also as um, holding power, you know, that there's a there's a power inside of the goddess and a power inside of the bodies of women that is very different than what patriarchal dominator culture has viewed as power, right? It's the power of life. It's the power of creation. It's the power of life, death. You know, women go through death every month when we bleed. I mean, that's just like mind blowing, you know? Um, So I think that that can also help correct some of these misunderstandings that you know femininity is just about swooning into a man (laughs) right femininity as the emissary for the great cycle of imminence of life of death of birth of the bridge between formless and form spirit and matter
0: Hmm. yeah i'm just letting that land because And this has been the way, since I first discovered your work, is that it speaks to my body. And my body receives it as a tonic. Hmm. Maya, slightly changing tack here, I want to ask you, what are some of your favorite ways to access what you call the deep feminine current of reality well the simplest and easiest
1: ways that i found and i have actually a album on spotify Mm -hmm. of embodiment practices anyone can listen to it it's free on spotify it's the deep feminine current embodiment practices so it's these little things that's occupying the back of my body we're very front focused we're very lean forward focused and when we enter the space of the back of the body something really it's very subtle but it's very profound maybe you can try it right now if you're listening you can feel that there's a depth to your body there's space in the back of your body And savoring through my senses, getting really exquisitely present with my capacity to breathe, to smell, to taste, to feel. Getting really inside of my felt sense experience in the moment.
0: That's it. Mm, Yeah, it's so simple and so accessible and very powerful. And what just came to my mind was this memory of having been somebody who a long time ago enjoyed Vipassana-style meditation and and retreats, Um, how one of the kind of key tenets of the philosophy of that style of practice is that you you must close the senses, close down the sensory doors, because the information coming through is distraction, is illusion. And, you know, what you're sharing here is the exact opposite. It's saying, no, actually, wait, this is also a door. This is a door. Well, this is part
1: of the legacy of transcendent spirituality is that the body and the senses, which are the goddess, you know, she's a trickster, she's a seductress, she takes you away from awakening, she takes you away from enlightenment, she takes you away from the real. Mm. And so in goddess practice or sacred immanence practice, we go fully in to those portals and doorways as doorways into the divine. Oh, she's so beautiful.
0: She really is, and it, it all really is. And it's all just here and available to touch and to taste and to, to breathe. I'm just deliberately putting in some space here because, yeah, it feels right that that what you have just shared uh, requires some digestion. Mm-hmm. I think it needs an hour of digestion. Perhaps if you're listening, you might want to press pause. Um, I don't think our listeners would appreciate if i just put an hour of silence in here now (laughs)
1: it's very deep you know it's it's like even if we weren't raised in religion or transcendent spiritual paths there's a deep mythological story in the collective psyche that has made the goddess into the devil You know, she's a temptress, she's a seductress, she's dangerous. And in my view, our disconnection from her, not just women, but men also, it's like the spiritual existential crisis of our age. We all long for her. I have many men that are really into the, the deep feminine current embodiment Practices album that I named. This is really not just for women. Everyone has this longing to come back into direct, felt, presence, experience of divinity through the body, through the senses, through our moment. I think we all long for her and we've been in a million ways, you know, kind of entrained to turn against her or exploit her or use her or abuse her or deny her and she's like home A home that we really 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 long to return to
0: absolutely
1: mm.
0: <sighs> Love, I have a few very simple quick fire questions for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one's important. What's your favorite chocolate or candy or sweets? My
1: favorite chocolate candy or sweets. I don't know if you have this over there, but we have this chocolate bar here. It's called Lily's. No. It's sweetened with Stevia. Some people hate Stevia. I love Stevia. I try to not do sugar. Mm-hmm. And um I eat it all day. I just like nibble on it all day long. Mm. Is it dark? (laughs) It is. And you can get it with like coconut or almonds, sea salt. It's fantastic. Thank you. (laughs) What's your favorite love story? (gasps) Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just going to say this. So when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the movie Say Anything with John Cusack, where he holds the boombox in the rain outside oh, her window. Yeah. <laughs> I just, his character in that movie is like it for me. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> <Thank
0: you. laughs> what about a favorite mythological feminine artist? goddess? <laughs>
1: I got a deep thing going on with Inanna.
0: Yeah, I thought that was gonna be your answer.
1: Yeah, and like you, I also haven't, haven't shared yet because it is so deep and intimate and
0: yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, name something right now that you are optimistic about in the world. Ah. Mm. <sighs>
1: I honestly believe with all of my heart that we are seeing uh, a return of the feminine and a return of the goddess. And I think that it's going to happen and is happening very organically and naturally because for our species to survive, we, we have to. Like we've literally reached the breaking point. We can't go on any further without the remembrance and return to her. And I I think that the intelligence of evolution is totally working on our side. I really believe it.
0: Is there anything that you want to say that I haven't asked you that you want to just speak to? Mm. That'll do. That was (laughs) fine. I think
1: I do have something, you know. I think... think, I've been getting more into kind of like what we would call like witchcraft recently,
0: mm-hmm.
1: doing symbolic acts and rituals and making offerings, and it's been such a powerful thing for me. And I think for a long time I felt like, oh, I can't do that because I don't know how, and it, you have to have like special skills and training, and like you know. And I'm I'm really realizing that this is like a human birthright. You know, and it's part of us connecting to ourselves and our lives and the goddess and the earth and the people in our life in a really sacred way. And I, I, I feel this inspiration to encourage others to start incorporating symbolic acts and rituals and making offerings and, you know, that really anyone can do this. And it's, it's a very, it's been a way to grow my
0: connection to the
1: goddess that's been really profound.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, love. Mm. If people want to find you, where's the best place to find you?
1: You can find me on Spotify. I've got a spoken word poetry album and an embodiment practice album. And my website is
0: deepfemininemysteryschool.com. Beautiful. Maya, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I've loved chatting with you.
1: I just adore you and appreciate you so much. And I'm so glad that you exist. It's like every time I see you share on social media, I'm just like, oh, so glad she exists. Yes. (sighs) Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, my goddess, Thank you so much. I am so happy you exist. I am delighted by your existence. In fact, (laughs) thank you so much, love. me again. Hello. Wow. Did you enjoy that? I really hope you did. Uh, Maya, I will be asking Maya to kindly join me again sometime this year for another chat because we barely even touched the surface there of, of the things that I would like to ask her about and to have her speak on. But still, it was divine to have her here. Maya, you are a gift to this world and its women, and we love you. If you, dear listener, were inspired by this conversation and you want to go and read more of Maya's writings or hear more of Maya's writings or work with her, I highly recommend visiting her website, deepfemininemysteryschool.com following her via Instagram at depravedanddivine, going to her Spotify channel where she has the free album of embodiment practices she mentioned, plus one of her spoken word poetry albums. And the second spoken word poetry album is available via her website as well. If you enjoyed this episode of the Oracle Podcast, Please do like and subscribe and leave comments. We so appreciate them. We'll be back soon with more fascinating guests. And something that we've done this year is to work on improving our sound quality. So you can look forward to better audio quality in future episodes. I'm wishing you a lot of love and sending you my warmest, warmest wishes. You can find me on Instagram at moon underscore body. You can go to my website, moon-body.com. And yeah, these are some of the ways that you can find me and find my work. Thank you, love. Be well.